calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody and welcome to this brand new spoiler review for the Bad Batch season two. We hear from the Geek Buddies. Hey, hey! there we go. <laughs> we got there. We are back, uh, jumping into season two of the Bad Batch here. You know, after the um, essentially mid-season finale. Those seven episodes seven and eight uh, that we uh, tackled and had some fun uh, talking about. Well, now we're seeing the fallout. The first episode since Echo has left the crew here, left the clone, left the Clone Force ninety nine. Omega is dealing with the loss of Echo in this episode. We also see Tech uh, essentially having some issues with how to comfort a young teen when one of their uncles has gone away. So uh, there's a lot that went on here within the episode. Stuff going after Ipsium, stuff with Sid. But to me, I'm calling this episode Three Men and a Little Omega. That's what I'm calling it. And so this is going to be a, an interesting exploration. Uh, uh, and a lot of symbolism, the cave, climbing out of the darkness, coming out of missing somebody, you know, those kinds of things. So there's a lot we're going to jump into here. Uh, but I am the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. Mikey? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And uh, joining us yet again, which we are so happy to have uh, joining us aboard here, the co-host of Forest Toast Pod, the co-host of the Jedi Way, and one of the growing voices getting more and more traction in the world of Star Wars fandom. So we are even happier to have her joining us uh, on this uh, ride through Bad Batch, the great Laura Kelly. How are you, Laura? 
I'm doing amazing. I love that little intro. That that works. For, can you just follow me around everywhere and just introduce me to the masses? That that was great. I appreciate it. But Absolutely. no, it's great. Um, it's freezing here in Chicago, so it's freezing oh. here in my room. So I'll just be sitting here shivering, uh, making, <laughs> talking about this amazing this this episode that I really loved. I mean, okay. visually striking. Um, right. So I love that component of it. I think there was a lot to dive. There's a lot to dive into in this. Well, one, well, uh, normally I like to start with Michael, but let's start with you since you seem to be very, very much on board with this episode, The Crossing. Please, Laura, what are your overall thoughts on this episode of The Bad Batch? Well, they certainly put their characters through the ringer in mm. this episode. I mean, like the ship is stolen, the spaceport's a thousand miles away. We've got a stampede, store of the, you know, we're we've got lightning striking our the mine. It's just there's so much happening in this episode, and by the time I feel like we got to like the towards the end of it, I was just like, my God, I'm tired for them, <laughs> for these poor characters. It just was a lot. Um, you know, we get to dive in a little bit to that emphasis on like the Omega and tech relationship, which we haven't spent a lot of time talking about. But for me, this episode in terms of like production design and animation is like 5 billion out of 10 wow. because those like gorgeous, like rock formations on whatever planet that we're on here yep. and that cave and that super clear water and like the glowing mineral deposits, it was just so, so pretty. Um, so I, I really enjoyed get at least the look of this episode overall. And I thought the story was great too. It was a little bit of a bottle episode kind of yeah, um, yeah. in some ways, in some ways not. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of uh, Lion King imagery, I think, coming through in that. A lot scene. of Lion so, King imagery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, the first time I watched this, I was legitimately terrified. I was like, oh, is this how we're doing it? We do the mid season finale. We lose Echo. And now you're going to Mufasa. One of these guys, like, can we, can we not, please? I've take it. I've had enough. And these, yeah, these poor characters, like I said, they're through the ringer in this episode. But overall, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily think the Bad Batch is dark necessarily in terms of the no. first season and a half, but this is an episode where you really explore um, the mm -hmm. effect of not having Echo around. They feel almost incomplete, even though, and you know, and Tech says it in the episode, Michael. He says, "Look, there was a there was a Clone Force Nine Nine before Echo, and there's going to be a Clone Force Nine Nine after Echo." In one of his more insensitive moments to what Omega, and not purposely insensitive, just he's a very logical guy. So, but he's speaking about it this way. But you can tell the loss of Echo, what they've been through in Episode Seven and Eight, has kind of affected them and their chemistry. You have Wrecker and Tech at each other. Hunter's trying to keep the crew together. Omega is going off on her own, kind of on her own journey of dealing with the loss of Echo. She's really consumed with them staying a family, being a family, that Tech doesn't see that. She sees the Marauder as her home being taken from her, and the guys don't think about the fact that she just saw her home getting bombed again on that video that they played in the Senate. So there's so much that's going on for these characters emotionally that maybe is a bit of a trick on the eyes because they you would think this is just a simple episode and they get out of it and work together by the end. But there's a lot of emotion coursing through this entire episode. What do you think of this one here, Mike? Yeah, look, I I said last week when we watched episode, when we reviewed episode seven and eight, I said, if next week is another mission of the week episode, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Uh, and so when the episode started, when the episode started, I was like, God damn it. And I was kind of sitting there grumpy. But as the episode went on, they gave me character. Like they gave me some emotion. They gave me some stuff. Like we saw a side of tech that we have never seen before. And to your point, yeah. we saw we saw a Clone Force 99 that was kind of a mess. 
Like, they were a mess. And so it ended up, I thought, being a really, really great episode. I think a great, I think it was actually a great episode follow-up to uh, 7 and 8 because they actually were dealing with the ramifications of everything. So as opposed to other previous episodes where it was like a Mission of the Week episode where you're like, look, where the characters were at the beginning of the episode and where the characters are at the end of this episode... You can take it or leave it. It doesn't matter. This episode is actually really, really important for the development of these characters in this story. And so, uh, you know, like I said, at the beginning, I was definitely um, like a grumpy Gungan. Like, I was not into it. But by the time we got to the end, I was very, very much on board with this episode. I think they did a really, a really, really nice job of telling a really lovely story that, re- uh, that shows, to your point, how Omega's perspective of this group of people is so different from what they think of themselves as and how that's really changing them all uh as a result yeah i mean isn't that the thing i mean i think that's why three men and a little omega i make that reference because when you see in three men a little baby and then three men a little lady in the sequel like these guys are different because this um young girl came into their lives versus a baby and then as she's older they put aside their stuff to realize that she's the one that matters. She's the one that's that they've got to be aware of and take care of and understand that because she's a part of this crew, her feelings are different and it's dudes versus women. And you're seeing that kind of difference approach, different approaches, a young girl and dudes, like how do they uh, interact with her? Hunter certainly has it right in that he doesn't push. He doesn't try to chase her down. He's given her a space, but he also knows like, look, dude, you kind of caused her to walk off. So, Tech, I can't do this work for you. You got to go after her and have this conversation. And let's start with I don't want to do a conventional because it's a pretty simple story. You got to get the Ipsium. Ship blows up. Got to get some more Ipsium to get out of there. And the symbolism of being in a cave and the hole in the wall essentially breaking through. Yeah, it's all there. If you're missing it, I don't know what to tell you. It's pretty obvious. But I'd rather talk about the Omega stuff here as it goes on through the episode and get your thoughts on that, Laura. Like, how is like Omega dealing with the loss of echo you can see her just be frustrated about that no one else seems to be feeling what she's feeling and then we have this interaction with her and tech where she walks off because tech actually says what's your issue i never thought a clone was gonna say what's your issue to somebody and it hit me when i was watching the episode like oh my god it's not what you say in those moments and then um you know as i said hunter making tech go after her and she is like initially when Tech shows up, not wanting to have interactions with him. Then he they figure out how to get the Ipsium and they got to get it. She falls down. He dives into the water after her, and then they have this really sweet conversation about Echo and family and the Marauder and why Tech doesn't feel the way um, other people do. Why isn't he feeling the way I feel? Why isn't he showing the emotion? And Tech actually opens up a little bit and says. That's not who I it's not how I do, but it doesn't mean that I don't feel these things that you're feeling. So even teaching Omega that there are different people who see things differently but feel the same way about it. So what did you think about how the journey they took Omega on through this entire episode and and the interactions with tech there when they're having that heart to heart, so to speak? Well, the minute she opens her mouth, her first line in this episode, we know we can sense the attitude. She is awfully sullen at the beginning of this and it's just it's yeah it's so sad and you know my my one issue with that um you know i get it she's she's a moody 
preteen teenager, we're going to encounter these issues. I get it. But I think it would have hit a little harder. It would have made a little bit more sense if the show had spent a little bit more time establishing a really solid relationship between Echo and Omega. I mean, maybe they did in season one and I'm like, I'm just not remembering it, but I don't remember a ton of foundation being laid with that specific relationship. And if they did, I needed a refresh in season two and I haven't gotten it. So I... I get where she's coming from. I understand why this is part of our story, but I wish that they would have established that maybe just a little bit more. Um, I I had like a verbal, I think, reaction when when Tech says that line of like, what is your issue? I'm just like, <laughs> like facepalm. Jesus, man. Like, you, even if she wasn't a teenager, if she was like a full grown human and he said that to her, I'm like, Oh God, he sucks sometimes. Um, but it, it's so interesting to kind of get that insight, I think, mm. into tech and how he processes things. You know, with the beginning of this season, we have this relationship. We kind of see the relationship between tech and Omega where he's a teacher. There, yeah. He's pushing her to learn all of the, the specifics about the starships. And he's sort of taken on that role of being her instructor. And there's not a lot of emotional connection that we yeah. can, we can take from that. But there's not a lot of emotional connection between tech and really anybody, any other cast member of the show. So it's kind of, that's just the way that tech is. And that's, it's something different. And I appreciate him for what he is, but I really like that we got to dig in a little bit with him in this. And one thing that I noted, I mean, even while she's being kind of snotty toward him after, you know, she walks away and he follows her the minute she falls down, there's no hesitation on his part. I mean, he yeah. looks briefly and he's right over that cliff with her to get down and chase her. And I, so I think at the end of the day, regardless of how tech acts sometimes and regardless of how he sort of can behave differently than others in his own and in process things in his own way, he still cares. Yeah. And it's, it's that that's very clear, made very clear in this episode. And I'm glad that they they spent some time sitting and kind of getting to know how each other's brains work a little bit because I don't know if it ever occurred to tech that she processes things in a more emotional way Mm. than anybody else that's on that ship and I'm not sure it ever occurred to her how differently he processes things either I mean he's he you know whether we want to think of it as like sort of being on the spectrum in some ways like at the end of the day omega is a teenage girl she's all teenagers are selfish she has not really given a ton i thought i don't think to his point of view and how he processes things so that fact that we had that little conversation with them at the end i thought it was really beautiful it was just i thought it was a great way of digging into that relationship that started in this season as just teacher and student and yeah. we get a little bit closer i think in this part of this season and i i like that yeah echo kind of being moved out of the way michael allows this to happen you know because she he had been kind of the buffer between her and tech because yeah as you said laura in the first episode we see him teaching her a tech teaching her about the ships and how to figure out what ship is what but echo's been the one that she's been talking to echo's been the one that's like we gotta we gotta we gotta uh, dial into this fight we got to get into this battle against the uh, the empire we got to do things and she's been inspired by that because she has done every almost every episode we got to save this person we got to help these people we got to do this or that and so not having echo around it, it removes that buffer and so she's having to deal with tech in this way and we see what it leads to in their interactions what did you think about how they handled the omega storyline throughout this entire episode leading up to that moment where they 
come out uh, on the spaceport and sh- she says we are going to figure it out like we always do and ends the episode with a strong strong button there yeah i think that um i mean i think laura's right i think we said this last week too after episode seven and eight that mm-hmm. that uh omega being surprised that echo was leaving and being really upset about it was was a lovely moment would have been lovelier had they really kind of bulked up that relationship in the first half yeah. of the season and i think it's there a little bit and like you said like echo has been really clear at least from season two uh that they need to be doing more to help other clones that there's people yeah. that need help and they're the ones to help and that's why he leaves to go with rex and omega is very similar minded to him she wants to go help people she wants to go do the right thing so it it makes sense that there would have been that bond there it would have been nice to have seen it more and i think it would have made her attitude uh and perspective at the beginning of this episode stronger that being said given the goodbye that we got last week it was it's clear that she's upset and so i think it works um you know and i think that before even getting into the tech of it all I really enjoyed right off the bat, like I said, that without Echo there, even though Echo and Tech's actual skill set overlapped a little bit, without Echo, they kind of felt a little bit lost. I mean, right? they weren't yeah. quite sure yeah. who was supposed to be Lookout, didn't really right. know what to do. Like, they just, they just didn't seem like they were clicking, um, which is clearly very intentional. And I think worked really well. They didn't go over the top with it. They didn't go, oh, gosh, we're so lost without Echo. But, like, they were clearly (laughs) a little bit off their game. Um, And I thought that was really, really nice. I think the cool part, I mean, you guys hit on it, but when Tech asks Omega what her issue is, what I really enjoyed about it, if you go back and listen to it, and D. Bradley Bradley Baker does such a great voice, uh, a good job with this, is that for someone who doesn't show emotion and is very logical, he's certainly very sassy in that moment he's clearly annoyed (laughs) like 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 and and he he's annoyed in that way that someone who isn't good at processing emotion is annoyed uh you know like omega is sitting there and she's clearly upset the marauder is gone and they're like all right we'll get another ship and she's like that's our home and they're like she's like echo's gone and they're like yeah okay well we echo wasn't always here he'll be like like tech is like i don't understand what's going on and he's getting a little bit fed up with it yes yeah, which is where that what is your issue comes out and seeing the two of them sort of butt heads like it's something we've never seen before from either of them we've never seen omega get this upset at her big brothers little brothers technically but you know what i mean um <laughs> uh if we're gonna be scientific about it but uh we've never seen her get this sort of upset she's usually like hey guys what are we doing along for the ride i want you to be impressed with me and here she really gets pissed i mean she storms off and i don't think that any of them have ever quite had to deal with this before um and so then when tech goes you yeah laura nailed it too the moment that omega went over the edge and he didn't even have and this is a guy who thinks through everything yeah yeah yeah. even in the faster episode he was like he when um when uh the the robot i forget the robot with the robot's name with it in faster but like i knew it was ben schwartz (laughs) when ben schwartz when ben schwartz is like oh well could you do better and he was like i don't have enough information to respond to that right now like he always is like i'm gonna wait until i know what's going on and he jumped into a dark hole that he did not know what was at the bottom of without even thinking about it which is i if that doesn't say i love you omega i don't know what does 
Mm. Um, and then, yeah, like when they were in, it was, it was to your point, typical bottle episode. We are literally trapped and we are emotionally trapped. And once we have our emotional conversation, lo and behold, we have found an exit to the cave. But you know what? It works. It works. Like it yeah, doesn't feel it cheesy is. because it feels earned. And it feels earned because they have this conversation and tech, you know, who has been pretty dry, like did not get a ton of stuff to do in season one and yeah. season two, they're clearly aiming to rectify that. Um, watching someone who does not know how to process emotion, have a conversation with a highly emotional person and work to express themselves is not something you think you're typically going to see on a, on a raw looking star Wars adventure. And I thought they handled it really, really nice. Like it was a lovely, lovely thing. And then you see that give and take like Omega who has been very stressed out and on edge and upset about echo getting to the the end of this episode where they're still pretty screwed going, we're going to do the get out of this. Like we always do, which is echoing echo is just a way of her being like, we're good without her having to say we're good. Yeah. Good point, Mike. And I and I think this is her. Not only are they breaking through, and they're, they're going to be a, a tighter squad now going forward. I think this is her assuming the echo role. This is essentially her assuming the echo role. There, she's already had elements of it because she's been kind of initiating them getting into these situations, defending Sid, you know, uh, doing all the stuff that they've done through the last few episodes and some of the episodes in the first season as well. Um, so to see her kind of seeing, okay, this is there's a hole here. I understand now. I need to be a part of this. It's also interesting because Tech was going at it with Wrecker. Like Tech was like, you know, you drop the Ipsium. Maybe don't drop the Ipsium next time. Like he was in a he was in a bit of a mood himself, as you said, sassy going at and Wrecker was like, you know, bitch, I'm gonna break you in half in a minute if you don't keep going. <laughs> like you can sense from Wrecker, because I've been in that moment when someone just keeps poking and you're like, listen, just cut it out. You're not gonna like what's gonna happen next. And you know, you see that with Wrecker. He's like, and then the look Wrecker gives him. When he's like, well, you know, you, you, if he, someone hadn't, uh, you know, d- dropped the Ipsium, blah, blah, blah. And so you see, he's like, <laughs> come on. So he relishes when it's Tech who drops the Ipsium and then explodes and traps them in the, uh, in the cave there. But Tech, to his credit, goes, you know what? I'll own that. I did drop it, and I'm going to be the one that's going to go find us a way out. So kind of showing the difference between Wrecker and Tech in that tech takes responsibility and he's going to figure out how to get out of the situation of course and the symbolism the symbolism of epsium go with me on this i feel like epsium is maybe maybe love it's a combustible element and it can explode but you can find it deep inside your heart there deep inside the cave and find your way out and that's the thing that initiates them coming together so more love initiates the conversation i'm I'm, you know i'm crazy i feel like I feel like you might be reaching like Omega did before she fell into the pit, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> Follow me down, man. Follow me down. Um, <laughs> uh, let's take a, a quick break because I want to ask you guys another question about this episode uh, right after this. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. 
All right, Mike, I want to go with you first. We talked with, I started with Laura with Omega. I want to start with you on this one. The, the Sid stuff at the end is really interesting to me, man. I mean, they reach out to her after they get through, they have their emotional uh, opening and their actual opening of the cave. They go down to the spaceport. I also thought it was great that there's no ship waiting for them. There's no like magical ship that just happened to be there that they could take. So they're really in a situation here where they're a bit stuck. And we find out from Sid, Sid doesn't want to help him. Sid says, I'm busy doing a bunch of other things. And they start listing all the shit they've done for Sid. And she eventually goes, oh, I don't need the list goggles. All right, fine. <laughs> even even Omega has to be like, but Sid, like we did this, we did this. So her voice, her voice being added to the chorus of the Clone Force 99 as an equal voice complaining to Sid, someone that she's defended, someone that she's helped. Even she was willing to kind of go at Sid about, you You got to help out here. And then Sid eventually relenting and saying, give me a few days, I'll figure it out. And Hunter's like, wait, we don't have a few, and cuts them off. So, I mean, are we turning Sid a little bit into, we were talking about the Trendosian situation, we were talking about Sid's issues with the other crime lord and, and a couple episodes ago with the Ben Schwartz droid and all of that. So are we starting to turn Sid into a bit of antagonist here and they are going to decide that they don't want to work with her anymore and roll on out to fight the Empire? What do you think the point of that scene was? Well, they're clearly doing something with Sid. Mm. What, what, what's it? I, and it's going to be really interesting. And there's still, I think we said this in the Faster episode when we reviewed it as well. Like, we're not, I'm not quite sure, but um, yeah, they're building. And again, this is why this episode really worked for me because I don't yeah. mind a mission of the week gone wrong if all of the character stuff is really moving forward. Yeah, it's yeah, when yeah. it's when it's when a mission of the week doesn't move the bigger Star Wars universe forward or the character stuff forward. But this was leaps and bounds for these characters compared to a lot of what we got in season one. And I think Sid is a part of that as well. So in Faster, we saw once again the Bad Batch kind of coming to Sid's rescue. And Tech pointed out in that episode, this is yeah. not the first time that we've had to help Sid out of a jam. And they really helped Sid out of that jam. And right. so then for this episode, for them to be in a jam and Sid to be like, sorry, and for Tech to bring up again, hey, let me bring up what we did in season one for you and what we did in the faster episode. And she's still not quite doing it. And it's not until Omega, it's not just that Omega adds her voice to the group. Omega yeah. speaks and Sid's hollow looks directly at Omega. And you're like, all right, I think she would absolutely have left those three. She would have left Wrecker, Hunter, and Tech and been like, y'all figure it out. But she she has a little bit more of a soft spot for Omega. And that's what kind of pushes her over the edge to be like, fine. But she still is going to leave him out there for a couple days. So I think that, I think that all of this is doing... So Hunter, from the beginning, I mean, from the beginning of season one and it's reiterated in season two the big score they go to on serrano is you can have enough money that you can just go live a normal life and give omega the like hunter's really stuck on i need to give omega a normal life yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think everything in this episode is the marauder her home gets taken echoes yep. a soldier text like we're clone force 99 like and now sid who she's like no sid's our friend and like sid's like y'all find your like she's doesn't have a normal life yeah. And I think that while Omega is growing into understanding 
some of the grown-up realities of the situation they're in. And I think in uh, the last two episodes, her seeing uh, Topoka City destroyed in front of the Senate and learning a little bit about how the Senate works and seeing how Pal- how they did the right thing, but Palpatine still twisted it. Like, she's seeing a lot of the reality of the world, and I think she's stepping into the- this is who we are and kind of surpassing Hunter's like, oh, I need to give this sweet little girl her her own life. And so I think whatever Sid does, uh, is Sid going to sell them out? Are they going to try and leave Sid and she's going to like, fuck you, you can't leave? Or is it going to look like Sid's going to sell them out and then she's going to come through at the end for them? Like something's going to happen, but we're, we're, we're gearing up for a big shift with Sid, which is great because none of us want to do any more Mission of the Week episodes anyway. So it's time for a big shift and let's see where we go. Yeah, what do you think about all this, Laura? Do you think we're setting up for a big shift, or was this just an exchange and her just being a jerk off, and then eventually they're going to get off this planet? What do you think was going on here? Well, I, I kind of just interpreted her hanging up on them. That was like a great beat of humor. I think <laughs> just the timing of it, I thought was really funny. So I didn't really, I I hadn't read into it too much, um, but I think that the way this episode ends before it cuts to black with the group looking out at the horizon mm. seeing that thunder and lightning in the distance and that those storm clouds rolling in i you know i think we're signaling something big is coming something that's bigger than any of them i think yeah. is where you know where this story is ultimately going to go or where the season's ultimately going to end um hopefully it's something more related to echo and the clones and rex but you know it's to be seen i think um yeah, I, I liked the end of this episode. I thought it was really cute, actually, how Tech and Omega have a little moment right at the end where yeah. Omega says, we'll figure it out, and her and Tech look at each other. And the nod is so subtle and so small. But it was really, I think it was well-placed and well-timed yeah. um, in a really nice little add to their relationship and a nice way to tie this one up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I like that they're throwing some stuff into into a mysterious place. Like what's going to happen with Sid? What's the end result going to be? You make a good point, Mike. You probably would have, she probably would have left the adults, the guys there, but because Omega's in trouble and also maybe even a little bit, she knows about being a female in a man's world doing what she's doing. So she might have even more of a stronger, uh, softer spot for Omega because of that situation because she's off with her younger brother slash uncle slash whatever you want to say there in that, in that situation. So she wants to help her out in that. But yeah, there's there's going to be a come to Jesus moment for Sid at some point in this whole situation, and I, and I wonder when that uh, is going to happen. But Lori, make an excellent point. I didn't even catch the impending storm that's coming. That essentially could be the Empire, could be the breakup of the Clone Force Nine. God knows what's going to happen. And and that moment where uh, you know Omega is trying to reach out to Echo, and Echo's turned off his communication device. That's a that's a that was kind of a low key, really sad moment for her. And watching it, I was like, oh man, that's that sucks. You know, yeah. Essentially, you know, because she's he's like, well, he's on a mission and he can't communicate with you. She's like, I want to get through to him, though. I, you know, so yeah. She's almost developed a strong relationship with Echo, then with Hunter, which is really ironic. Well, to think about I was about to say, I think yeah. I think we're in for a. We need to have something with Hunter, but I, I think that Hunter is yeah. Hunter's getting. Hunter's definitely getting overshadowed. Hunter doesn't have a <laughs> lot to do. Hunter's just kind of there. But uh, and I think it's because they're probably saving what they're doing, and it seems like look, uh, Omega has whether or not we think they established it well enough at this point 
Omega and Echo have a good relationship. And Omega right. and Echo are both, we need to do more to help other people type of people. So they have a very strong similarity there and their goodbye was really lovely. So despite the fact that maybe they could have done more, this is where we are now. We get that Omega cares a lot about Echo. Omega and Wrecker have always been, even in season right. one, that was always a really strong relationship. They kind of had that brother-sister, sibling kind of vibe. And that still is going strong for those two. And now she and Echo have this mutual respect. I mean, not even just at the end when she says what she says, but even when she is drilling the Ipsium on her own, and he kind of says, look, I think you're perfectly capable of doing this, which is for Tech a big compliment. If he thinks you're perfectly capable, you are definitely capable. So <laughs> she's got these really great relationships with everybody now. And Hunter and her, and Hunter and the whole team, Hunter's just sort of floating along. Hunter's yeah. just kind of going mission to mission, doing whatever, and kind of broadly has this, maybe we'll have enough money at some point that we can go do whatever he's got in his head. A nice yeah. little farm somewhere on some outer rim planet where they can like herd some nerfs. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, I, I don't know what it is he's got in his head, but <laughs> I think that, but I think that what's going to happen here is Omega's gonna turn the team. Omega's gonna be like, uh, yeah. you're like, like, I mean, what it seems like they're going for is that Hunter's gonna kind of put his foot down at some point and say, this is what we're doing. And Omega's like, why are you doing that for me? Like, I don't want that. Yeah. Like, I want to go do this. Like, that's, I mean, if it were, if it were, if it were me looking at where the show's going to go, like, that's where I would want to take it. And it seems yeah. like at some point Hunter's going to have to realize that this whole thing that he wants for Omega is actually not what Omega wants at all. Right. Right. He may become like a Rambo just going off on his own. I mean, he's basically kind of uh, got the Rambo look already. So he might have to go home by himself and go visit his hometown and go out and do that kind of nonsense while the Clone Force 99 goes on without him. That's very possible because he's been the one hesitating about committing to fighting against the Empire. So it may be the growing power of Omega over the next few episodes. And we have this confrontation where she says, we've got to do this. And Hunter eventually will understand and relent and dial in. And I don't know where that's going to lead to, but that's going to be fascinating. Um, I don't know, is there anything more to say? Laura, you got anything more we missed or did you want to throw in here as we wrap up this review? I would love to just hit on the music yeah, really please. quick. I mean, the the music in this episode with the guitar, I don't know if we've gotten a ton of of guitar in this mm. in this show so far. And it was it really stood out and it was really great. And it reminded me a ton of The Last of Us, which I really mm. enjoyed in this episode oh. overall. So that was a really nice touch. Um, okay. Also, the I think the first volume of music of season two came out just today that we're recording this so we can actually go back now and listen to some yep. of the other music from this season I, yeah i saw it i saw it on itunes this morning um yeah well <laughs> I, and you know as john roca is always often fond of saying star wars is a western and a samurai show you know what you um, know what you're gonna get a smack next time i see you go ahead yes <laughs> up that old um but Whoa. this episode but this episode certainly leaned into the Western. And I think Kiner's yeah. score, sort of the vistas in the landscape of this planet, yeah. the whole sort of like the incoming storm clouds, them going, and even the idea that they were kind of checking out this mine to see if it still had yeah. Ipsium in it or not. It's and that there was a nearby yeah. ghost town where clearly some people had been prospecting and things had dried up and they'd sort of abandoned the place. Like, And even the stampede, it's a shame that- I was just gonna that, say, don't forget the stampede. Yeah, yeah well, thanks to, thanks to Lion King, you actually can't have a stampede in a gorge and have it be anything mm -mm. other than Lion King at this point. Like, like, but but before 
before Scar tried to take out his nephew with a bunch of wildebeest, you could have a stampede in a gorge, and that was a Western reference. And so I think that's what they were going for. Although when Wrecker went down into all those uh, whatever oh. they were, uh, I was like having some hardcore Mufasa flashbacks just like Laura was. But yeah, they were clearly going. So I do love that um, they... At Star Wars at its best always has Western elements to it, but they yeah. really went hard into the Western elements in this episode. Yeah, Western and samurai elements. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good, good place to end this review of uh, uh, The Crossing here from um, from uh, Star Wars Bad Batch Season 2. Um, thank you all so much for watching this and uh, listening to us. We know we're on the podcast form as well because you don't want to watch our pretty faces you can listen to us uh, and wherever you download podcasts michael what do we have to tell them oh man i gotta do all of it all right listen if you want to follow us you can follow us at geek underscore buddies on twitter at the underscore geek underscore buddies on instagram if you want to follow john roca you can follow him at the roca says if you want to follow me you can follow me at mk tune and if you want to follow shannon mcclung on twitter he is at shannon underscore mcclung and on instagram john what is he at shannon the geek buddy there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. And listen, if you would like to uh, help us out to continue to do what we do, uh, you can smash that like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page where you can check out all the amazing content he's got with me, with Shannon, with Laura, and a host of others. Uh, leave your comments below. Let us know what you are thinking of uh, The Bad Batch so far. How did this episode stack up to last week's two-part uh, mid-season finale? And uh, what else are you thinking? How are you vibing? Who do you like? Who do you hate? Let us know all of it below. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. Uh, and a uh, big shout out to Laura Kelly, who joins us here. Laura, please let everybody know where they can find you and all the stuff you've got going on talking Star Wars. Sure. Thank you so much for having me back. You guys can find me on Twitter complaining about the lack of High Republic concept art at <laughs> shutup underscore Laura. I'm at the same handle on uh, Instagram and there's less complaining there. And I, you can follow the podcast that I host with my friend Alice called Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour on Twitter and Instagram at Force Toast Pod. You know, um, I, I have a question. Aside yeah, from, uh, aside from uh, Avar Chris, who is your favorite High Republic Jedi? Ooh, I don't. It's hard to pick besides Avar Chris because she's she's it for me. But I'm gonna go Elzar Man. The two of them yeah. together is a big thing for me too. But yeah, I just love Elzar. He's such a such an idiot, and I just love him. Okay, good. I was just curious. I was just uh, re-listening some High Republic, and as I wander the streets of West Hollywood, walking my dog, listening to uh, uh, epic adventures against the Nihil, I often think of you, and I'm like, I wonder what Laura thought about this. So I was curious. Wow. wow. Well, I'm glad you asked. WWLT. All right. What would Laura think? Um, yeah. And at some point, Laura, I mean, we've got to have a Geek Buddies uh, Force Toast pod crossover at some point, don't we? Like the five Ooh. of us drinking wine, shooting the shit for an episode of your show, I think would be a blast and just letting you guys guide us for once. I'm so exhausted guiding all the conversations. It'd be nice <laughs> to turn it off for a little bit and let you guys guide us for once that'd be a lot of fun so just put in the back of your head i think all three of us would be down i'm in listen you get a couple you get a couple glasses of red in me and you're gonna get and let me tell you something else <laughs> about midi chlorians <laughs> that would be a grand old time count me in okay
done. We should figure that out. All right. Thank you all so much uh, for watching. Of course, big shout out to uh, Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Go to CarbonHealth.com to go get checked out today. Maybe you get caught in the stampede and need to get checked out. Go and uh, look it up there at uh, CarbonHealth.com or download the app to have a doc in your pocket. And on a serious note, they've focused really hard recently on addressing mental health issues and creating um, programs there for people to use to help them navigate these mental health issues. So uh, you can head on over there and see what they've got and see if it works for you, both virtually and in person, which I think is really important nowadays. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new Spoiler review episode of The Bad Batch here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.